Okay, and welcome back to another edition of the Kennel Cup Holistic Healing Hour. Welcome, one and all. Some of you via invitation, where applicable, ubiquitous audience. My two church mice—they've been here every day, five and a half years daily, three daily shows, and also a YouTube offering now in full retirement. Thank you for joining in. Thank you for listening. Thanks for liking us, literally sharing us. YouTube channel, Grandpa Bill. At 87.92, please thumbs up, subscribe if you feel comfortable in doing so. We are growing exponentially with your help by doing so. We appreciate that. Today, going to segue right in on a couple of topics that I've been talking about of very recent note, including a blog that I just wrote about the subject matter to accompany what I'm going to try to outline in today's episode. It actually involves <laughs> Dr. Anthony Mativier, the originator of the magnetic memory method online program, which I've been taking for now 11 months, almost 12, as we're approaching December. I've had Dr. Mativier as a two-time guest on my show. We have plans for early 2024. When his next and newest book at that time will be released about Giordano Bruno, which I've talked about archivally, so stay with me, and we'll take a ten-second break and jump in. So, at the Magnetic Memory Method series of videos, by being a subscriber and participant in the program. There's a lot of great interchange fodder observations. Dr. Mativier is a great instructor, passionate, caring, and he's also blessed to have an entourage of thousands of brilliant acquaintances, students, combinations of both. Hosts and guests on his own show, co-hosts John Graham, just one to mention, and the young lady from Australia. Y'all know who I, how I am with names. Who's a memory master and so forth. In this show, I want to highlight some of the healthy debate, if you will. And it wasn't even debate. It's not like that. He made a great observation on a. Comment I made about、uh, my mom being gifted with premonitions, and then myself being gifted to some degree with holographs and how I meditate. So we'll delve into all of that. Probably take us about forty minutes. But what I want to retort was a great observation. By Dr. Anthony Mativier, which is why I love him so much. He's so down to earth and interactive and cares and wants to get us thinking constructively, which I concur with him completely. He made a point about what I'm going to talk about today: Rupert Sheldrake and Michael Shermer to isolate two great thinkers about matters like debates, if you will. Sheldrake taking and thinking 
and even going as far as proving that or talking about dogs knowing when their owners come home, and that people know when someone is about to call, and so on and so forth. So let's take a ten-second break, <clears throat> and in the first part of my two-part show here today, I want to visit Sheldrake versus Sherman, paranormal debate, science versus spirituality, morphic resonance and telepathy, and animal in- intuition, all fodder for future shows, which I do each and every day. So Sheldrake versus Sherman, can science explain the paranormal? Morphic resonance, a field of controversy, telepathy and animal intuition, shedding light on extrasensory perception, the seeker's quest, exploring the quotation marks so what, which is the debate that those two had of paranormal phenomena, debating the edges of knowledge. Sheldrake and Shermer talk about their viewpoints on science, spirit, and the unknown. I'll do my very best after this 10-second break to start out with highlighting Rupert Sheldrake and Michael Shermer in today's expose. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Welcome back, and thanks for doing so. And as always, continue to pay it forward and join us daily. We're trying to increase our audience participation at my message board at these shows and listenership, as always. So come join us, and thank you. So I want to start out with Rupert Sheldrake, a British biologist and author of several books on the paranormal, including *The Presence of the Past*, authored and you know released and so forth, 1988. And dogs that know when their owners are coming home, back in 1999. Purposes: the theory of morphic resonance, which suggests that there are fields of information that connect all things in the universe. Believing that morphic resonance can explain a variety of paranormal phenomenon, such as telepathy, animal inter- intuition, and synchronicity. Michael Shermer, an American science writer, skeptic, and author of several books on skepticism, including "Why People Believe Weird Things" (1997) and "The Skeptic's Handbook" (2002), he argues that there is no scientific evidence to support the existence of paranormal phenomena. He believes that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And that the burden of proof is on those who claim that paranormal phenomenon exists.、I、want to make two points right now? I'm not suggesting anything about the paranormal or my mom's gift of premonitions, other than posing it as a question during like the 50s, as in 1950s, my childhood, you know, with my mom. And seeing it firsthand, going into the early '60s, you know, before I left the nest and all that kind of crazy stuff. So nobody's arguing anything here, but Shermer and Sheldrake constructively show. You know, argue can be a strong term, but they argue 
Shermer especially, that there's no scientific evidence to support the existence of paranormal phenomena. So I guess the key differences in my interpretation of Shermer and Sheldrake's debate, if you will, the existence of morphic resonance. Sheldrake believes that morphic resonance is a real phenomenon that can explain paranormal phenomena. Paranormal. Shermer does not believe that morphic resonance exists. So the nature of evidence. <clears throat> Sheldrake's believes that anecdotal evidence can be used to support the existence of paranormal phenomena. In this example of their debate, pertinent too. Shermer believes that anecdotal evidence is not reliable, and that only scientific evidence can be used to support the existence of paranormal phenomena. My humble opinion: you can attain that through Dr. Joe Dispenza, for one, in a 13-part video series about the brain, our brain coherence. At least in that scientific study, with encephalograms and meters measuring brain waves, he documents the scientific proof for some 30 years of continuing to do so. Just to interject, I don't know, is that a counter viewpoint? Again, this isn't a debate from where I came from. It's an observation. So the burden of proof. Sheldrick believes that the burden of proof is on those who claim that paranormal phenomena do not exist. Sherman believes that the burden of proof is on those who claim that paranormal phenomena does exist. So the implications between the two, the debate, if you will, between Sheldrick and Sherman, has very important implications for our understanding of not only the universe but our place within it. So. Those that may side with Sheldrake, I'm not saying I do or I don't. I'm completely neutral in this. <laughs> I'm still just the porcelain junction box, continuing to try to put everybody in touch with further clarification on avenues of approach to seek out information for yourself. You prove it. <laughs> I'm not here to prove anything. I'm nothing. Actually, we all are. <laughs> we'll talk about that too. Check the ego at the door. The debate is always important because it raises questions about the nature of evidence and the burden of proof. If anecdotal evidence is not reliable, <laughs> then how can we ever know for sure whether something is real or not? I've said this many times. Somebody said something. Well, what's something? Depends on what he is. He is. You can get real deep on these, but they're logical questions. What's trauma? Let's take that. We're all fond of talking about it and our experiences with it, so designated as such. But is it trauma? What is trauma? You can do this all day long. Are things scribed on caveman's walls legitimate? Are they proven? Is it hearsay? Was there really dinosaurs? Were there? I don't know. I just query these things. So the debate here is important because it raises questions about the nature of evidence and the burden of proof. If the anecdotal evidence is not reliable, 
<laughs> then how can we ever know for sure whether something is real or not? I query, isn't that the conundrum of life as we know it as human beings? So the debate between Sheldrake and Shermer is indeed a complex and fascinating one. I've I've visited it before. I've revisited it thanks to Doctor Mativier's suggestion. Listen, listen, please understand. There's no animosity or anything. It's great. I simply made a comment about my mom's premonitions, and I probably shouldn't have been as vague in my own explanation. And my example of was an off-the-cuff one, with no validity or claims to that it was rock solid or that's proof. I very much agree. Premonitions prove nothing, but it is an extrasensory perception, in my opinion, to whatever degree. I'm not the virtuoso on it. It's my feeling. So the debate between Sheldrake and Shermer is indeed a complex but fascinating one. There is no easy answer to any question of whether or not science can explain something or not, be it paranormal. In this case of the debate, however, the debate is important because it forces us to think critically. Allah, Doctor Anthony's suggestion. Not so much singling me out as an individual. Please understand it. It was great. He has no idea of my familiarity or lack thereof with Sheldrake and Shermer, unless I help edify him that I certainly don't have the degree of of understanding about it as he does, and I'm certainly not as well read as he is. So I love all of his suggestions. So. Resources to determine of your own volition on the World Wide Web, <laughs> at least as of today, the 25th of November. www.sheldrake.org, www.skeptic.org. That would be Michael Shermer's website. Robert Sheldrake's Sheldrake's website is www.sheldrake.org. Wikipedia articles on Sheldrake. You know, you guys know how to look up Wikipedia. Just backslash Rupert. Hyphen Sheldrake on Wikipedia.org. Wikipedia article on Sherman, same premise, just backslash Michael Hyphen Sherman. They're all astute navigators of the internet. You know how to do this. So the trouble with telepathy and unveiling Sheldrake's perspective. Welcome to this intriguing, hopefully perceived as such, exploration. Of the ig, enigmatic world of telepathy, where we delve into the captivating perspectives of Rupert Sheldrake, a renowned biologist and pioneer in the realm of parapsychology. Today, we embark on a journey to unravel the complexities of te- telepathy. Ah, telepathy, he tried to say, examining the challenges it poses and the profound implications that it holds. Sheldrake's outlook on telepathy. Rupert Sheldrake, a visionary in the field of consciousness research, approaches telepathy with a unique lens (pun intended), challenging conventional scientific paradigms. He contends that telepathy, the ability to transmit thoughts or feelings between individuals, is not merely a figment of imagination, but a fundamental aspect of human consciousness. Sheldrake's theory of morphic Resonance 
a concept that positions or posts or believes that the existence of fields of information that connect all living things serves as the cornerstone of his telepathy framework. He proposes that morphic resonance enables the direct transfer of thoughts and emotions between individuals, transcending the physical limitations of our brains. By the way, there's many authorities on brain health. One of my other favorites is Dr. Daniel Amen, amongst the many. Delving into the challenges, despite the compelling evidence presented by Sheldrake and other researchers, telepathy remains an elusive phenomenon, shrouded in mystery and scientific skepticism. One of the primary challenges lies in the subjective nature of telepathic experiences, making them difficult to quantify and replicate under any controlled laboratory conditions. My point about Dr. Dispenza. Not even remotely suggesting that, suggesting that the beta to alpha to theta to ultimately gamma brain waves in his studies are documentably provable by the test of the subjects there and their graphs. And results of the blips on the screen, if you will, with brainwaves. So navigating skepticism in any area of life, pretty prevalent in this world as it burns forward, moving on its axis. So in the face of skepticism on all fronts, here Sheldrake advocates for a more open-minded approach to scientific inquiry. One that embraces the possibility of phenomena that might lie beyond the realm of conventional explanations. He encourages researchers to explore telepathy with a willingness to consider unconventional methodologies and embrace the potential of transformative discoveries to get there. So the profound implications? I don't know. If Sheldrake's hypothesis of telepathy proves to be true. In the eyes and ears of the beholder, we're all human beings. <laughs> we can all look at the same picture and decipher it in multitudes of different ways. That's all. That's definitely been proven. <laughs> day to day life. It would revolutionize an understanding of human consciousness and communication, not coho cohabitants of this planet that aren't of the human persuasion and/or animal kingdom. Wild or domestic. Not aliens, not Antifa, not any of that crap. Pink noise, blah blah blah, monkey minds. We are all apes. We prove that every day. <laughs> so telepathy could have profound implications for various fields, including psychotherapy, education, international relationships. The sky is the limit. Pun intended. Imagine a world where we could and would directly communicate our thoughts and emotions, fostering empathy, understanding, and collaboration on a global scale. Nothing is for everybody. That's the beauty of life and the gifts that we've been given. Innate traits. Tune in. The body is an amazing vessel. 
We're just vessels, Peter, Paul, Mary, Ahmad, whatever your name is, and the beauty of many beautiful names. We're just a vessel. What you are is what you are at conception, at birth. My philosophy on life, telepathy, telepathy, could have a profound implication on many fields: psychotherapy, education. Whatever international relationships, I'd like to believe that at the precipice in time for my legacy, as this world is going to change in a positive direction, when we get on the backside of all of it, and how I'd like to go to the great beyond, which I believe fervently, also that I've been here before. I'm obviously here in whatever capacity and however I'm perceived, and I'll be here again. I have no recollection of whatever my past life was. I like to think I was an animal, probably an eagle or a wolf. We'll get into all those moving forward. You see, those are my convictions, my perceptions. So, while telepathy remains shrouded in mystery, Sheldrake's pioneering work has ignited a resurgence of interest in this fascinating phenomenon. Whatever your beliefs are, his unwavering belief is, and the potential of telepathy challenges us to expand our scientific horizons and embrace the possibility of a world where minds can communicate without the constraints of physical limitations. Let's take a deep, calming breath, and we'll return with Sheldrake and Shermer's debate on such topics. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back, and thanks for doing so. Let's talk about Michael Shermer a little bit. My best understanding <clears throat> here about skepticism 101: unraveling Michael Shermer's perspective on telepathy. So, in our previous exploration of telepathy, if you will, I delved into the intriguing perspectives of Rupert Sheldrake. Who champions the notion of telepathic communication? So today I'm shifting gears to also include and examine the counter arguments presented by Michael Shermer, a renowned skeptic and science writer. <coughs> Shermer's skeptical stance, if you will, a staunch advocate for scientific rigor and critical thinking. He approaches telepathy with a skeptical lens, pun intended. <laughs> Been talking a lot about macular holes in my eyes and all of that. Over at my mnemonic practicing of Mr. Magoo, in the character of Ebenezer Scrooge, in the great Dickens novel, one of the many, A Christmas Carol. But Scrooge is now, through a series of events in my archival shows, I don't know, eight to ten in. Scrooge by Mr. Magoo is now a modern-day 21st-century man. We'll get back to that in my other shows. Do check them out. I'm trying to network and tie this 
all in together because they do have components of each other, of connecting cells. However, we believe in that and/or don't. Schirmer emphasizes the importance of controlled experiences in scientific inquiry, where variables can be meticulously controlled and outcomes are objectively measured. He argues that subjective nature of telepathic experiences and the lack of replicable experiments under controlled conditions can doubt on its existence. Like anything you want to discuss, what is is. Something about something. What's something? Go deeper. What's something about something? The something about something. Is it something? What is is. What is is. Depending on who's saying it, it depends on what is is. Y'all remember that one, right? Schirmer emphasizes the importance of controlled experiments in scientific inquiry. So counterpoint to Sheldrake's theory. By Schirmer, if you will, Schirmer takes aim at Sheldrake's theory of morphic resonance, suggesting that it lacks a strong scientific foundation, and it fails to provide a clear mechanism for telepathic communication. He argues that morphic resonance relies on unproven concepts and fails to account for the complexities of human consciousness. Additionally. Schirmer challenges the notion that anecdotal evidence can be used to support the existence of telepathy. He highlights the potential for bias is <laughs> biased in any subject, regardless of who the author, conviction, person, persons. Lincoln Douglas. I don't know. That may have been the last healthy debate. I tease. So, Schirmer highlights the potential for bias, for sure, misinterpretation, for sure, and memory distortion in subjective experiences, for sure, emphasizing the need for objective and replicable evidence, for sure. So, burden of proof, if there is one, at the heart—pun intended—of the debate lies the question of burden of proof. Schirmer. I don't know. When I read it, it, seems to firmly assert that the burden of proof lies with those who claim that telepathy exists. He maintains that the absence of compelling scientific evidence, coupled with the inherent challenges in testing telepathy under controlled conditions, leaves the existence of tele and telepathy in. His observations, in his biases, in his science, in his whatever opinion, is highly questionable. So Michael Shermer's skeptical perspective serves as a counterpoint to Sheldrake,、uh, Sheldrake's proponent stance. Point counterpoint. I flash back to the old 60 Minutes series in its infancy in the late 60s.、Uh, what was her name? Shana, something or other. Not Shana Easton, the singer. Her last name's escaping me. And Jack Alexander, Shana, Shana, whatever her last name is, it'll come back to me. They had healthy points, counterpoints, and within the series, if you watched it or look it up or whatever, if you care to, there was often times that one and or the other's point 
and or counterpoint to the subject at hand in you know the weekly Sunday series, whatever the topics were as they went on through the succession of the weekly segments of 60 Minutes featuring those two. They each other had points and counterpoints that not so much convinced the other of changing their mindset or viewpoint, if you will, but having them get an aha moment. I never thought of it that way, if you will. Grandpa Bill's crazy analogies, my mnemonics, my memory palaces, my my way of holograms or whatever, holographs. So Michael Shermer's skeptical perspective serves as a counterpoint to Sheldrake's, you know, point counterpoint, like the one I just referenced in 60 Minutes, for instance. And like any healthy debate, discussion, whatever you guys and gals want to call it, especially in this new world moving forward, <laughs> political correctness and all of that. And again, I clearly avow I'm a political atheist for a lot of good reasons. So pink noise doesn't influence myself. That is a fact, yeah. So join me as we continue to unravel the mysteries of telepathy in many subjects: food for the mind, the body, and the soul. Literal food and water sustenance, which is what I've talked about for 50 years. <laughs> no, not me and Arthur Godfrey behind the mic on my podcast show then. Although Arthur Godfrey might be a future virtual guest on my show as well. Certainly, the last five and a half years, talking about this many times, the previous twelve in many monikers and many shows of different proportions, blog vlogs, much to the editing room floors, cuttings, and all of that, because again, this is not a forte of mine. It's something I challenge myself with, with many things I challenge myself with. So join me as we continue to unravel the mysteries of telepathy. For one, balancing the allure of extraordinary with the rigor of scientific inquiry. I'll let Joe dispense it. Just to isolate one, simply because I just completed a 13-video marathon at Gaia, where it is all about the brain, telepathy. So not so much telepathy. Bad. Scratch that. It's not about telepathy. But there, it's scientifically proven, with the analysis administered by a doctor of over 30 years, as it pertains to brain waves, which I've highlighted. Going from beta to alpha to theta to ultimately gamma, where we get our sweet spot in meditation. Checking the egos at the door. There are no egos. We're nothing. None of us are anything. <laughs> When you can get to nothingness, okay, it alleviates the rat in the cage, rat in the maze, smashing pumpkins. All my crazy analogies of monkey minds chasing your tail forever and ever. In fact, I don't know statistical data. Wherever you read it, wherever you document it, whatever. 95% of us aren't experiencing those capabilities. Only 5% of us are at least exploring it to whatever beliefs, documentation, and so on. That's fodder for another time. 
but your past life can most assuredly predetermine your future life if you don't make some kind of change, be it telepathy or meditation or whatever. But if you get into the black, null and void of nothingness, I don't know. Try it. Let me know what your consensus is at my message board as we try to do these interchanges at the message board of guests, upcoming guests, topics, what you like, who you like, what inspired you to listen, when did you subscribe, why. Interact with the topics that we do talk about with studio guests, in studio guests, upcoming guests, setting up potential Q and As. Let's enrich each other. Let's make it a forum, hopefully perceived as such, for open discussion. Open debate, open whatever you guys and gals want to call it. So join me to continue to unravel the mysteries of telepathy for sure, balancing the allure of extraordinary with the rigor of scientific inquiry. Together we embark on a quest for knowledge, understanding, guided by the spirit of scientific exploration. My closing thoughts here for the day: the allure of premonitions. As we conclude our exploration of telepathy and its enigmatic nature, let's briefly touch upon the concept of premonitions. I alluded to my mom having premonition premonitions when I was a kid. She wasn't a soothsayer. She wasn't a guru. She had no conception of meditation or otherwise. She did go to what was then probably a tarot card reader. You know, I was a kid. I don't know if the person was a tarot card reader or. Even qualified or quantified themselves as such back in the day, but she did all kinds of crazy things. In some people's opinions, including mine or offspring, ladies that stuck pencils in their heads, <laughs> clairvoyance, and the things you see in the movies sometimes. Woo, you know, when somebody's accentuating the music and making the curtains float, all that crazy stuff. Perhaps, perhaps. So, while premonitions may provide a sense of forewarning or connection to something beyond our immediate perception, they most assuredly don't serve as any predicators of the future, or have any probably documentable proof of solving anything. Not my premise in mentioning it. <laughs> It's just sharing an anecdote of my childhood with my mother. So, while premonitions may provide a sense of that forewarning or a connection to something beyond our immediate perception. Let me say it again. They definitely don't serve as any predictors or predicators of the future in and of themselves by premonitions, and they certainly don't prove anything. Like the examples of Sheldrake、uh, with the dog coming home and people believing that your dogs or your cats know when you're coming. I believe they do. Now stay with me. My cats wait at the door for me. They know the sound of my car, and so forth. Now. Please understand that when I come in the door or whatever, my cats aren't enlightening me. You know, from any other, I don't hold stock in that. That's going to solve anything, or it doesn't prove anything. What it does prove is how I feel within this vessel called Bill, that I was blessed in conception by Bursheim being an empath, and most assuredly, it's been my destiny. From day one, I am indeed an empath. Whatever anybody perceives or calls me, and you know, 
I joke around that one of my business shows. I was in business, marketing, and sales for over a half a century. I've been called everything in the book: above board, clean, expletive deleted. <laughs> So, the future remains for me an open canvas, shaped by my choices, actions, and the intricate tapestry, tapestry of interconnected events that work for myself. Instead of viewing premonitions as absolute prophecies, which I never did, let's cherish them as a gift of heightened sensitivity to some degree, in my humble opinion. A glimpse into the depths of our own intuition. They may serve as general reminders to be mindful of our surroundings, to trust our instincts, and to embrace the mystery that surrounds us. Let's put the proverbial tennis ball back in your forecourt. What proof is there to the contrary? There is none. It's not a matter of proof. In my opinion, in this example, in this example. So, anybody that, for、well, my mom, God rest her soul, and I believe my maternal grandmother, kind of sort of had the same father with her daughter. And I don't know. Is it heredity? Is it like-mindedness? Is it because her mom did it? And I don't do anything because my mom did, <laughs> other than be addicted to alcohol like she was. That's another story. Past tense, by the way. So, my grandmother, your grandmother, my mother, your mother, your sibling, your whatever. If indeed someone does have an ability to experience premonitions. It may be a cherished gift in and of its own right. Who's to say? It may be a unique connection to a realm beyond the ordinary. There's no documentable proof. It's a gift that deserves respect, appreciation, and an understanding that it's not a predictive tool, but rather a delicate dance with the uncertainties of all aspects of life. In my humble opinion. So. As I try to navigate the enigma of, I want to get off premonitions. It was just a figure of speech and a minor example of my childhood. Let's approach them with a sense of wonder, curiosity, like being a child. Maybe I still have a childlike mind in the eyes of the beholder. Curiosity and a willingness to embrace the inexplicable. They may not provide any definitive answers about anything, the future or otherwise. But they remind us, or in my humble opinion, that profound mysteries that lie within ourselves, in the universe we inhabit and inhabit together as human beings. My wish is, in this planet, as it burns forward on its axis at the moment, we are at a precipice in time where so many things can be enlightening and change for the future. I like to think that for my legacy. Now I see a lot of that, not in the way of premonitions, in my form of holographs. So I'm going to close on holographs and how, for me, Grandpa Bill, although they are not completely clear and defined to myself, I usually see what I'm trying to focus on. In most instances, 
with lots of fine tuning, much like my analogies of the onset of televisions back in the 50s. For me, they came out in the late 40s. I didn't come on the planet till 1954. Televisions were still in pretty much in their infancies, and not every single household had one. Throughout the 50s, they become the crave, and you know so on. But I equate it to televisions then, RCA. Probably made all televisions in one way or another. Who cares? <laughs> But the white dot was definitely prevalent. Turn it on in some instances, 10 to 15 minutes before, hopefully, showtime or whatever it was you were going to watch. Extend the rabbit ears, figuratively speaking. In in reality, my antennae, being rabbit ears, if you will, putting tin foil on them, literally, <laughs> in the Rabbit ears that are geared to the old-fashioned televisions, and hoping that I could see through the horizontal and vertical hold of the television at the time. Now of life, as I meditate daily, several times daily, to attempt to hone in on my gifts, simply to enhance my efforts. Now in retirement, to enhance my podcasts, times three in a YouTube version with different subject matters within the three. Within studio guests and beyond, with upcoming guests to talk about this, including Dr. Anthony Mativier, for the third time, braced around, embraced around his release of his new book. Then, when it is released in 2024, or within a matter of days or weeks, contingent on scheduling. Please play along. Not trying to predict the future. <laughs> That he'll highlight his book when he gets here with us and his interpretation of Giordano. Bruno also tied into this network of thinking. So as we conclude our exploration, exploration of this enigmatic, enig, enigmatic realms of telepathy and premonitions, while holograms may seem like futuristic creations, their underlying principles are rooted in the very fabric of our universe. Physicist for one, David Brom. Bomb, B O H M, proposed the concept of a holographic universe. Is a concept suggesting that our three-dimensional perception is merely a projection from a higher-dimensional reality. This intriguing idea opens up a realm of possibilities, including the notion that we may be able to access and manipulate this holographic information. I don't know. Can we? It's an ongoing saga for me at 69 and counting. So, as I've mentioned, the process of honing in on our perceived gifts, whatever they are, including our ability to focus on holograms, those that may have them, holographs, mirrors (pun intended) the early days of television reception. Initially, the picture was unclear, requiring adjustments via the rabbit ears, tin foil, the enhancements, vertical hold. Horizontal hold adjustments, literally and figuratively, tipping your head sideways to see in between the test patterns, the horizontal hold or whatever. Oh yeah, I think that might be Ted Mackey Amateur Hour, just to pick a show that was live in the 50s that I watched, that we were brainwashed by. Subject for another time. Decades of brainwashing is also what I talk about here. Old foibles, broken down systems around the world, outright lies. Blatantly so, cover-ups, all of it. So as you continue to refine your skills, 
you may discover that your ability to perceive holograms extends beyond mere visualization, or it may not. You may find that you interact with these holographic projections, or not, extracting information and gaining insights, or not, that could enrich your life. For me, they're definitely enriching my podcast. There's no doubt within me knowing that. So I'm imagining the possibilities, accessing historical events through holographic projections, which I'm doing and having a ball doing it, allowing myself to bring the past to life for my listeners. In many examples, fiction, fiction and nonfiction, exploring the inner workings of complex systems such as the human body, for sure, and the cosmos, using holograms. And holographs as visual aids for my explanations, interviewing holographic representations of renowned individuals, upcoming when I seek them out as guests, potential guests, and they reciprocate and come on board, delving into their minds and gaining unique perspective for my podcast. Of course, these are just a few suggestions, and the true potential of anybody's holographic abilities may lie in still unexplored territories. Who's to say? With proof, on either side of the proverbial table, the key is to remain open-minded, persistent, and willing to experiment with many different techniques in many things in life. Certainly, when it comes to the squash, not the vegetable, your head, your brain, your heart-brain connection. As you embark on this journey of enhancing, hopefully. My podcasting prowess only under the aspect of being perceived as a hopeful harbinger of good information, in my capacity as the porcelain junction box, which we've talked about, household electricity. Trying to equate that for those of us that tie into the neurofiber highway that does go through the body, <laughs> and that we do fire on electrical impulses. So embrace the mysteries that surround you, and don't be afraid to push the boundaries of what's considered possible. Step outside the norm. Never take anything that anybody says at face value. Most assuredly, myself included. Most assuredly, check the egos at the door. I'm checking mine. I don't have one. Not anymore. <laughs> So, holographic enhancement, podcasting evolution, mindful exploration, unveiling reality, gifts yet unseen—all subjects for future discussions daily here. Unlocking the holographic realm, harnessing my gifts for podcasting mastery, from rabbit ears to holographic projections. My journey to enhance podcasting with the power of perception. A holographic adventure, exploring the unforeseen to enrich my podcast beyond the horizontal and vertical hold of life, tuning into the holographic frequency. What is the frequency, Kenny? Another subject for a lot of shows with a lot of adaptations and versions, be it Rupert Sheldrake and Michael Shermer or any other of great thinkers and. We Joe the gas pumps, if you will, gas pump Joe. A harbinger of good information, utilizing harbingers to elevate my podcasting. 
Remember the path to mastering anything, any of your abilities, to include holographic, is a continuous journey, a self-discovery and exploration. In my humble opinion, embrace the challenges, celebrate the triumphs, and never lose sight of the potential that lies within all of us. I guess if I was a stand-up comic that I like to kid around and inspire and think that I am and storyteller and all of that kind of stuff, this is as close as I'll ever get to on stage for real, and this is as close as I'll ever get to my drop the mic moment. Bye bye for now, and in the theme of Christmases past, present, and future, most assuredly from Charles Dickens in the Christmas Carol. Join me at my continuing sagas of Mr. McGill as Ebenezer Scrooge, and in that theme, the ghosts of Christmas past and future. Mr. McGill, now a 21st century man. In the words of Tiny Tim, "Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Peace, everybody."